Yeah. Do you believe that God can heal tonight? Yes. Some of you are not sure. Do you believe that God can heal tonight? Yes. Do you think that God has changed in any way? No. Why? He's unchangeable. Because he's the same what? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is a healer. Now, for some of us, that may mean that we need a physical healing. Here and then, we need a physical healing. There may be some people in this group here, this small group of people, that know that they need a healing in their body. Am I right? Yeah? Some of this group may need an emotional healing. Some of us may need a mental healing. Some of us may need a spiritual healing. And we believe that Jesus Christ is our healer, don't we? Oh, no, we're not so sure. But you know what? God can heal you. Now, what would it mean for you to have a spiritual healing? That can mean a few things. But the very, very basic, the beginning of spiritual healing starts at the cross. Yes? When we come to the cross, we have salvation, which is the same word that interacts with healing. Healer and Savior. Starts at the cross. Am I right? Christians, can I tell you something? That's where it starts. But we ought to look at him as he is the risen Christ. When he died on the cross, he died for our sins. And he says that we ought to take up our cross daily. And we should die to ourselves Take up our cross, and we should come to the cross. It's important for us to come to the cross. We cannot have salvation unless we come to the finished work of Christ on the cross. But that's just where it starts. Spiritually, that's where it starts. It's a starting point. Because we look unto Him. He is the resurrected Christ. Hallelujah. He's not the Christ that's on the cross. No, He came down from the cross... He came down, he was buried, and he rose again. Hallelujah. So we believe, we believe that he has given us power over life, over death at the cross. Wow. So we can have healing. We can have healing as we come to Christ Jesus. He wants us to have authority over the powers of darkness over the powers of sin and of death and of sickness because of who he is. He is the resurrected Christ. And we look unto him who was resurrected, who was dead, but now is alive. Amen. Hallelujah. Alec is going to come. Alec, would you come and just share a testimony, please, Alec? We love to hear about healings, don't we? We want to, we want to install faith when, when we hear about people who have had a healing, we just, it just does something in us. It quickens us. Hey, listen, we can receive this. 
Alec, would you just like to share that testimony? Yes, thank you. Bless the Lord. Amen. Are we going to praise the Lord? Yes. yes. Are we going to give the Lord some joy now and some happiness? Come on, let's go. Clap your hands, clap your feet, come on, give him some praise. Hallelujah. I can never stop talking without asking you to praise the Lord. Right, here goes. About five weeks ago, well, first of all, there's a garage near workshop where we have our cars serviced. There's four partners, three of whom are Christians and one is not. The one that's not is a very sad looking man, but however, we talked to him about the Lord and he came to me about five weeks ago and he was very sad. His little niece of 10 years of age had just been diagnosed cancer. Now that must have been a terrible thing for the parents and for everybody around her. I looked that man in the eyes and I said, Andrew, this little girl will be healed. Amen. Amen. Well, the Dennington Church was praying for others. People all the way around praying for her. And I was praying for her. But the strange bit about it was I prayed a couple of times for her. And then I found myself thanking God for healing her. And that went on for about a week. <coughs> and then I suddenly found myself asking God to manifest his healing. About three days later, I had a phone message from Scott, one of the, one of the partners. And he said, Alec, that little girl has been examined, x-rayed and all sorts. There's not a trace of cancer in her body. Amen. The doctors, the two doctors, are trying always to explain that they made a mistake. But we know they didn't make a mistake. We know that our God healed her. God bless you. Hallelujah. That's bless it. You. Great stuff. Come on, help me. Thank you. Help me down. Manny, could you put this light down? I feel as though I'm cooking. I think, I think I've grown since I've come on here. You know, it's all the light. I'm like, whoa, a little bit of water and a little bit of light. And you next, you know, I'm about 10 feet tall. Praise God. Well, I, uh, on Friday, the Lord said to me, I went, and really, I was just, it wasn't an audible voice, but I'm saying, God, what do you want me to speak about on Sunday night? And just like God, he gave me this scripture. And it's in 2 Kings chapter 5. I'm going to read the first part of the scripture. Um, while you're looking it up, let's just pray. Lord, we just believe in your word. And we believe in your Holy Spirit. And Lord, when your Spirit and your Word come together, great things happen. And so Lord, we're excited tonight. We're excited with the fact that our lives are going to be changed. Lord, as we read your Word and we apply these words into your, our lives, 
God, that we're going to see something amazing happen. So, Lord, we desire your presence right now in our, in our lives. We desire your Holy Spirit. We don't want this to be a nice talk. We don't want this to be a funny talk. We don't want this to be anything other than a, a, a God revelation moment. A moment that we can look back and we can see, yes, God spoke to me this night. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly respected because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel. And she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he wrote, letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send me someone to, this someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a, message, a messenger to him to say, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hands over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servant went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you, would you have done it? How much more then, when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored. And became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, 
Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know there is, there is no God in all the world except in Israel. And God will bless the reading of his word. Praise God. Here's Naaman. Interesting character. Eh? Naaman, he was a... He was a an important man. It says that he was a commander. He, he was a commander of the army of, of Aram. He was a, an important fighter, a, a man who could strategize, a man that could, could organize men. He was an important guy in the eyes of the king of Aram. He was great. He was a great man in the sight of his master. He would serve his master. He would do what he's told. He would conquer and take back and take what, what he, he believed he had to. He was highly regarded. It says he, he was highly regarded. And then it goes on and it says this, and this is really interesting. It says, because through him the Lord had given him, given victory to Aram. It says he was a valiant soldier. The reason why it's interesting is this. Is this man, Naaman, actually lived in Syria. And he was a Syrian. Or you would say, that's the, beside Damascus. That's the place where he would come down to. And he would, they would come down. And they would break into, across Israel's borders, which is God's people. And it's interesting that they would take Israelites as, as captives and take them back. And it's interesting that God actually allowed him to do that. And so this man was, he was very good at what he did. He was very important. He was, he was, he was a very important man in his day. But there was a problem. Naaman had leprosy. He had leprosy. And uh, I know there's different forms of leprosy, but basically, leprosy, when you see in the old days, or, the, or the, the days of the Bible, it would mean that someone was unclean. There were some, they were outcasts. They, were, they would eventually be put out away from everyone. No one would share food with them. No one would share their houses with them. No one would mix with them. No one would be in their presence. In fact, they would go about... And they would say, unclean, unclean. And so whenever someone came towards them, they would run away. They would move away from them. Or they would throw stones at them. And Naaman, he had leprosy. Leprosy, would, it eats away that your very flesh. And you know, in the Bible, when we see leprosy, it's, a, it's, it's almost like symbolic of sin. It's a sin that... That, that we see in the Bible when we speak about leprosy it is unclean it's unclean and this man had leprosy this is almost like going back I remember um, when we started working with people in the streets who were into drugs when we were drug addicts heroin addicts and it was almost like that it was almost like a heroin addict felt like they were in leprosy that they were a leper they were unclean they couldn't mix with people they were they were like outcasts of society and this is a little bit like how Naaman was and i remember when we started working in the streets in Fraserburgh no one believed that they could get free from leprosy 
No one believed that the heroin addict could actually get free. And it was a big task because even the Christians couldn't believe that they could have freedom. I want to tell you that there is freedom in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what you feel you have. It doesn't matter what label you've been put under. It doesn't matter where you are. I believe in Christ there is freedom. Whatever label someone's put onto you, whatever your lifestyle is, I believe that there is freedom. So he's an interesting chapter, a chapter, Naaman. And then we read about a servant girl. And it says, Now bands of raiders from Aram, Abram, had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel. Sometimes we don't always understand why we find ourselves in positions that we are. But here is this young girl. She may have been a quiet girl. She may have been timid. She may have been bold. We don't know. But this is what we do know. is this, that she saw a need in her master, Naaman. She saw that he was a leper. And she said this. And she said it to her mistress. If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. She had no doubt. There was no doubt. There was no unbelief there. She says, if only he could go and see the prophet that is in Samaria, he will be cured. He will be free. If only he could go there. For this young girl to say that, it could have cost her her life. I'll tell you why. Because if Naaman had gone, seen the prophet, and wasn't healed, she would have died. Chances are she would have died. She was only a captive slave, but for her to say that, it was going to cost her something. It wasn't easy for her to say, this is what will happen. Imagine if Naaman had come back. And he'd given all the gold and all the silver and all the clothes. And he came back and he was still a leper. And he saw that young girl and how she had humiliated him. By him listening to her words and going to see the prophet, she would have died. Sometimes to proclaim God's word, it isn't easy. Sometimes to speak God's word, in fact a lot of the times, if not most of the times, it's not easy. But this young girl spoke out. She didn't necessarily shout. She was close enough to Naaman's wife to make a difference. Christians, we are close enough to people to make a difference. Who are we close enough to? Just to simply share what we believe God could do. Who is there that is in our lives that's sick at the moment? And we could say, if only you could come under the anointing of God. If only you could believe. If only you trust in Jesus. He can heal you. But that's just what young girl did. She believed that he would be cured. And so then we can see that Naaman got, he went to the king and he told the king this. And the king released him. And he went down to see, to see, um, to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel saw Naaman. He came to him. And what would happen is, in these days, 
certain kings would pick a fight with one another. They would pick a fight. I remember watching the Braveheart movie and the William Wallace is there and he's going away. And all the, the nobles are like lined up. They want to make an agreement. They, they want to make, they want to be, you know, they want to make, make peace and they want to like deal with Lanzanon. William Wallace says, where are you going? He says, I'm going to pick a fight. And that's what they would do. They would go and they would pick fights. And the king of Israel thought, he tore his clothes. He said, why is it? picking a fight with me. I can't bring people back to life. I can't do this. And he was in full anxiety because the bottom line is in our natural state there are some things we just simply cannot do. If you go to a doctor, a doctor can perform an operation. He can give you tablets. But I really believe that only God can give healing. That's why some people get healed in an operation and some people don't. Some people can receive tablets and they can be healed and some people don't. But I believe that healing comes from God. And so the king of Israel, he was limited with, he knew his limitations. So he tore his robe, his anxiety, it was a sign of like mourning and like real anxiety, deep anxiety. And then Elisha got to know about it. And uh, he, he, says, he says this, Have the man come to me. And he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. You see, when the man came to him, it wasn't the case that he could come to me and he could be healed. There was a purpose behind it. When someone is healed, it was great to hear the story of that young lassie that was healed of cancer. We've had other people that's had healings. But God doesn't just simply heal you and that's it for the sake. You know, there's always a reason behind it. I believe that God heals us in order to be glorified. So if we receive a healing, if we receive something from God, it may be a healing. It may be baptism of the Holy Spirit. It may be some word or something. It may be if God gives us something, I believe He gives us that something so that we may glorify God. Hallelujah. The reason behind it is so that we may testify, I was sick and that now I'm healed. I was blind, but now I see. God wants us to bring glory to Himself. We live in order to bring glory to God. The Bible. People will think, oh, the Bible is all about bringing us to God. No, a Bible is about glorifying God. As we apply the words of the Bible into our lives, how we live our lives brings glory to Jesus Christ. Do you agree? It brings glory to God. And so here was a man of God, Elisha. He saw the opportunity. Sometimes we sit down and think, oh, what is me? What can I do with this? Like the king. But no, no. Elisha... He saw the difficulty, he saw the illness, he saw the possibilities of war that could have broken out. He saw all that, he saw a man that was full of leprosy. And he says, bring him to God, bring him to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. And so he brought him to him. And then it's interesting as the story comes out. Naaman, he goes to him. And Elisha... It almost looks like Elisha was being rude. It looks like he's being rude. He didn't even come out. He never invited him into his home. Now, there could have been a reason for that. It could have been the fact that, well, he was a Gentile and 
Elisha was a Jew. And uh, a Jew would have no dealings with a Gentile. They were unclean. They considered them unclean. But this man, even though he was a high in position of an army, Elisha never even came out. He never even spoke to him. He never even came to the door and said, clean, go and wash in the, in the River Jordan. No, no. Elisha just bade where he was. And he sent his servant. He says, go and tell him. Just go and tell him to wash in the Jordan seven times. The man could have been insulted because he had leprosy. And he knew that the Jews wouldn't associate with him. He knew that the Jews would never take him into his house. And he's thinking, I'm a guy clean enough when I'm washing my own waters. Why do I need to go and wash in the waters of, of this filthy Jordan? Isn't the rivers that we wash in cleaner than them? There's still pride in him, you see. And so he walked away, he huffed, he spat the dummy and started stomping away. No, no, I'm, you know. And so his servant came along and he runs. He says, Master, Master, if he had asked you to do something difficult, would you simply do it? You see, what was required here is obedience. And although we know that Jesus, and most of us here probably believes that Jesus loves us and that Jesus died for us, Jesus has asked us to come to him in obedience. Now what does that mean? Because sometimes we just want to come to God the way that we want. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be the type of Christian I want. I'm not going to stop sleeping around. I'm not going to stop smoking weed. I'm not going to stop getting drunk. I'm not going to stop doing things. They, God ain't going to tell me what to do. But I know that I can come to God in my way. I can wash in my river. The things that I do is clean enough. I don't need to stop gossiping. I don't need to speak negative and stop speaking negative about things. I can do things my way. But hey, wait a minute. You've got to do things God's way. Amen. 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 I don't need to stop smoking. I don't need to stop these things. I can do all these things. No, no, wait a minute. We've got to come to God his way or no way at all. Naaman could have gone home full of pride, washed seven times in their own rivers and still stamped a leprosy. But the great thing was he was willing to listen to his servant. He had nothing to lose. And so he went and he was obedient to God. I want to tell you that God's called us to repent. And it's going to hurt you. Because sometimes we just love what we do. We love the lifestyle that we have. We love the fact that we may not even have to work. We could be fiddling the books. We could be doing all these things that we think that we have to do to survive. God is saying to us, hey listen, we need to repent. And that simply means you're walking along your life about yourself. Living for yourself. Doing everything. And God said, yeah, I want you to turn from selfishness to godliness. And that's obedience. As we turn away from selfishness and we come to the cross. Remember, it's at the cross that it all begins. Spiritual life starts at the cross. Why? Because we die at the cross. That's why we take up our cross and we follow Jesus. Jesus died at the cross. We need to die to selfishness, to self-living at the cross. And when we die to the cross, the Holy Spirit comes into us and He empowers us to change. 
He gives us the strength and the power to change daily. Take up your cross daily and follow him. And so here was Naaman. He simply had to be obedient. Even though he was actually, you know, it seems like he was being rebellious. I'm not going to tell what to do. How many Christians are like, you're going to tell me what to do. I'm going to look what I like. I'm going to do what I like. I'm not going to stop sleeping with her. I'm not going to do, stop doing this. I'm not going to stop getting drunk. I'm not going to stop smoking. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do what I want to do. Don't listen to him. That's Pastor George. You're all right. Just you keep doing what you're doing. You'll be fine. Rubbish. We have to repent. If it's real that God is in your life, if your salvation is real, you will change. You cannot live a life for God and just paper up the cracks. You've got to change. There's got to be repentance. Now you cannot repent in your own. I believe that repentance comes when we make a decision in our own. Yeah, you make a decision. But the Spirit of God draws you to that place where you can change. And then at the cross, when you ask forgiveness, the Holy Spirit comes into you and empowers you to change. And so here was Naaman. Eventually, he went into the water and he dipped himself seven times. Imagine what must have been going through his mind six times, five times, four times, three times. And then seven times he came up. Wow, I'm healed. And sometimes it's like that in church. I've gone out for prayer before and I haven't been healed. I've tried this before and I haven't. What is God saying today? Forget what he said the first time, second time. Are you healed? I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to simply be obedient to what God is saying to you. Don't respond out of emotion to God. Simply just be obedient to what God is saying to you. And then he says this. It says, how much more? When he tells you, wash and be cleansed. I want to tell you that I believe God wants you to be forgiven. He wants you to be cleansed of your sin. He desires that. He has put everything in place. He has put the finished work of Calvary in place. Now what we need to do is simply be obedient. And say, yes God, forgive me. I want to be cleansed. It's an inner cleansing. It's a fact that you know that you're clean inside. It's a fact that all the bad stuff, all the sin, all the stuff that's gone on in your past life, all the lifestyles, all of that has been cleansed. Anyone be in Christ is a new creation. The old's gone. It's finished. I've got loads of rubbish in my life I could tell you about. But it ain't worth it. It's dead. And God wants you to have a new life in Him. You can be cleansed. And then what you look at it, what happened is when he dipped down in himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God has told him, and his flesh was restored. Now if God is interested in healing Naaman's flesh, I believe he's also interested in healing your flesh. 
I do. I believe that God wants us to receive healing so that we can do exactly the same as Naaman did. And what did he do? Well, he went back, and this is what he said. Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. He brought glory to God. He brought glory to God. God wants to give us healing in our physical bodies. But are we going to bring glory to God through that healing? How can we bring glory to God? We can bring glory to God by telling other people, this is what God has done for me. That's why I believe as well, when we're saved, when we give our lives to, 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 to God, it says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you shall be saved. If you simply said a prayer in private and you haven't brought it out, you haven't spoken it out, I want to encourage you tonight to make your faith public. Bring it out. Bring that declaration out that, hey, that I believe in Jesus Christ. That I believe that he's died for my sin. That I believe that I'm going to heaven because he loves me and he has forgiven me of all unrighteousness. God wants us to be forgiven. He wants us to experience a cleansing in our lives. Could they worship band come please? Here was Naaman. He expected something. He expected that the man of God would surely come up and just, just wave his hand over my body where I was lep had leprosy and I would be healed. The man of God never did that. And sometimes we come to church and we expect things to happen a certain way. Maybe we expect that something, something familiar is going to happen. And it's what's going to take place. But we believe in a God that is unpredictable. We know Him and we know His ways, but we don't know Him all the time. We don't know what He's going to do all the time. Do it. Let's believe that God's going to do something amazing tonight. Let's just close our eyes a minute.